We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 205. Scott, what is up? How you doing? It's a nice little Sunday morning we're recording. Um, pumped up, ready to go. We got absolutely no news to talk about, except for, potentially, a new infielder-ish? Well, Maybe? so, yeah. I've lis- I listened to a few podcasts, baseball podcasts, over the last couple weeks, read read a few different articles, and you could tell there's nothing going on, first of all, because everyone complains that there's nothing going on, and second, that uh, people are just throwing shit against the wall. How many times have we read the Machado? The Yankees have checked in on Manny Machado rumors. Like, every yeah. day for the past month? Yeah, yeah, it's a few times, because there's got to be new phone calls, right? New information shared yeah. between the GMs, more uh, different conversations, Christmas cards, New Year's, New Year's cards, who knows? So yeah, it is a slow time in baseball, but that's not really slowing us down. We got a ton of mailbag questions this week, which is awesome. It's exactly how I envisioned the off-season podcast going. People asking questions all the way from random ass things to specific things on the field or on the roster. So so I love it. Before we get into all that stuff though, we do have want to just remind people about the BP Crew events in 2018 and we do finally have a date locked down uh, for spring training. So so why don't you tell everyone about that? Yeah, so the spring, so the spring training date. I'll do that first, just because it's happening first. Uh, we're going to be going down the weekend of the twenty third and twenty uh, fourth in March, which is Friday versus Boston, and then Saturday it's a split squad versus Toronto. Reason we did it this weekend was because one, it's towards the end of the season, so you uh, the spring training season, so you're going to get a lot more of the uh, starters in those games, and then two, there's two games on a Friday Saturday at home, and yeah. there are there's no other weekend where, where that's where that occurs. So um, obviously want to get as much in for a weekend. If you guys are coming down, it's a really good weekend to come down. Um, and uh, I think tickets go on sale like next week or they're com- they're going on sale soon for Very spring, soon. spring training. So definitely work, uh, definitely get that into your schedule and we'll set something up. Like we did a meetup uh, outside the, the stadium last time. Maybe we'll do it inside at one of the yeah, bars. I say yeah, we do it inside the stadium because the have, stadium is actually set up perfectly for that. There's a ton of different yeah. bar areas. They renovated the stadium before last year. You and I loved the renovations. They got a, a third base sidebar, first base sidebar, the right field bar. So it's perfect for that kind of thing. 
And afterwards, they usually have like $2 beers with a band playing yeah. in right field. That's what they were doing last time. So I yeah. feel like that's the best place to do it. Maybe we'll do it after the game yeah. um, at the stadium. But so again, uh, March 23rd, March 24th uh, versus Boston and Toronto. Two, two good spots, too, to, uh, to see our competitors in the AL East. Um, so definitely, uh, if you guys are planning on going to spring training, good time to come down. And it's that weekend. We can all get together and hang out. It'd be a lot of fun to get a big group going. Uh, the, the next, uh, thing is the BP crew events. So this year we got six events last year. We did two last one was kind of, uh, almost a last minute one in September, but the, uh, the June 10th event, we had, uh, over 300 people and I'm definitely expecting a lot more, um, coming to these events. So if you are planning on going to Yankee games, if you're planning on coming into town for a Yankee game, don't have your schedule set, uh, definitely consider one of these days. They're going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have, um, the ticket will include a t-shirt, some kind of a pregame deal, whether it's at, at the stadium or at a bar around the stadium or potentially with the Bronx Brewery. Um, we're talking to those guys again, doing some stuff. But the dates are April 7th versus Baltimore. That's a Saturday 105 game. Um, May 26th, which is versus the Angels. So potentially, potentially we, we could see uh, our boy Otani. Might be a little Otani showing. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, that's a Saturday 715 game. So that's a night game. Uh, June 29th versus Boston. That's a Friday night game. Uh, that's the only Friday game in our schedule. And then July 28th versus Kansas City. That's a Saturday. Uh, they haven't announced the time yet. August 11th versus Texas, also a Saturday. Uh, no announcement of time. And then the final game is September 15th versus Toronto. And again, it's Saturday. Um, but the time is TBD, as Major League Baseball likes to do for a little while. So definitely check those out. Um, I will be putting up a, a post on Bronx Pinstripes also in the next um, week or so with all of the date information. Um, and then where you can get tickets. Some of them will have just kind of like pre-sales so that you can get in and confirm your spot. Um, and uh, as we continue on, we'll have more information about, you know, what the pregame is, like all the other information. So um, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a lot of yeah. fun. The BP crew, like everybody, a lot of, everybody who listens to the show, everybody who reads our, uh, our, our website, who, could, who is hanging out with us on social media, like that's, that's, this is our group. This is the BP crew. We're all going to games now. Um, we're going to be sitting in sections 205 and 206. Come hang out, come be part of it. It's a, it's a really good community. Um, we've already gotten to know a lot of people and uh, it's a lot of fun because when you get to know that many, that a big group of Yankee fans and you're all going together and you're, and you're, you're just being loud in the stadium together, like it's a whole different type of um, game situation. It's a totally different experience. It's a lot of fun. So we're going to be definitely ramping it up and doing a lot of different fun things during the games as well. Um, so check those out. If you have any questions also, you can hit me up on Twitter at Scott Ryan or Andrew at Andrew underscore Rotondi, or you can get us on um, Yankees podcast. If you ask questions on Bronx pinstripes, might not answer them because there's a lot of stuff in that notifications feed and a lot of stuff, unfortunately gets missed. So hit us up yeah. on the, uh, the smaller channels. And we were really good luck for the Yankees last year. I don't know if you remember our spring training games, both walk-offs. And oh, then yeah. the June 10th event, the Yankees dismantled the Orioles. They hit like 500 home runs in the first two innings. And then even though the game didn't matter at the end of the season, they still won that last game of the season against Toronto. So we were we were four for four in good games last year for, for as a Bronx pinstripes team. And who could Currently knocking on wood. The wild card game. The wild, I mean, I, come I, on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a ridiculous game. And... It was looking bleak until Didi came around, yep. and the place went freaking bonkers. All right, let's get into the Yankees' topics. The ongoing thing, that at least on this podcast, that, that we've been talking about for two weeks is the open infield spots at second and third base. Last week, we got into if the Yankees are making a mistake not going in with a veteran option, or if they fully trust Torres and Anduar. A lot of people differ. A lot of Yankee fans are extremely confident in Gliber Torres, which I get. He's the number one, or now he's the number two prospect in baseball. I don't know if you saw that. MLB Pipeline bumped up Otani as number one. How do you feel oh, about come that? come on. It's stupid. <laughs> uh, anyway, Torres is, by all intents and purposes, the number one prospect in baseball. I think he's going to be the second baseman this year on opening day, if I had to guess. And I think I'm very confident in that. The Yankees are very confident in that. Andor is a whole different story. He's an unknown. Regardless, the Yankees have said they're ready to go all in with both of these guys in the infield this year. I flat out do not believe them. I think they're going to sign somebody. I don't know who it's going to be. We saw them bring in that guy, Jace Peterson, to a minor league deal. That guy stinks. No one get excited about him. I really have nothing else to say about him. He, he's I, Before the podcast, you were saying, he's not even Brendan Ryan. 
No, because he doesn't play defense. You know what's no. funny is because when I saw that when I saw that come across the line, I was like, "What? Why did the Yankees sign Peterson?" I, I was thinking Jock Peterson in my head. Yeah, I'm like, why do we need another outfielder? <laughs> what just happened? And then I looked. I was like, "Oh, okay, it's a it's a middle infielder." From yeah. the Braves, right? He's uh, mediocre at best with the glove, and he's very, very bad offensively. So I don't know what it, it's. It's just for another warm body, whatever. Pete Cosma, I don't, I don't, Pete Cosma Brendan Ryan. <laughs> you know, throw throw whatever name you want out there. That's that's who this guy is. I, I don't depth. think people. He's a depth I don't move right. I don't think people listening want to hear us really get in, in depth on Jace Peterson. So no. what I want to talk about is if the Yankees are gonna get shady and manipulate Gliber Torres' Major League Service time. Because it's something that I read this week could happen, and I also read was a bigger factor than we realized as to why he didn't fill in for Didi last year, and they went with um, uh, our boy Ronnie Toto instead. Yeah, well, I, I don't really... I'm not sure if I buy the, the whole reasoning behind him not coming up at that point, because he was coming from double A. That was a big jump if he were to come up uh, at that point. In, that was the early excuse in the season. they used, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I buy it. The, so the whole manipulation of this rule. One, we both agree that this rule is utterly ridiculous. It's yeah. just setting up there for Major League Baseball to say, okay, fine. Or the team to say, okay, we will wait two weeks. Yep. Okay, sorry. Like that's, Major League Baseball needs to implement something about this to say, why, why are we waiting two weeks to get the player out that they want to bring up because of this dumb rule. I mean, you're, you're really just hurting the fans at that point, honestly. Yeah. So here, here, quickly, here are the rules. A, a full year of service time is 172 days. And a full season is about 183 days, depending on the schedule, depending on the year. So as long as you, they come up at 100 and only get 171 days, they did, their, their free agency gets bumped up the following year. So you need to be in the majors for six full seasons before you can be a free agent. So if you come up on and get 172 days in one season, then six years later, you will be a free agent. But if you only have 171 days, then you won't be a free agent until seven years from now. So by waiting the 11, 12, 13 days, depending on the season, which is basically two weeks, you can totally manipulate this, this rule. And I just think, like you were saying... It needs to be more than just the – there needs to be a bigger penalty for a team than two weeks. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, it's – I guess this is all bargained in the CBA, right? This is all part of the it is. the CBA as well. So it's going to take some time for them to actually clear it up unless they amend it somehow. But, it you know, it's hurting the um, – one, it's not in the best interest of the player either, you'd think, because it's just adding another year of control for their team. So it's delaying their – uh, they're, they're then moving forward financially. So you would think that the players have a, should have a big problem with it. That we all know the owners run that CPA. I mean, they, they pretty much dictate what's going on. And um, unfortunately, it's just one of those rules. So that being said, are they going to do it? Of course they're going to do it. Why wouldn't they do it? They're going to wait two weeks. I, 100%, zero doubt, they're going to wait two weeks. Oh, you and think bring so? Him up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they'll get a lot of backlash. Doesn't matter. What did, well, the, Cubs, uh, the Cubs did it, yeah, and they won the World Chris Series. Bryant. Yeah, it's okay. It worked out. Well, they out won the World Series a year the after. Following that, year. Yeah. The following yeah. year. The point is, is that once those two weeks are up and he's in the major leagues, nobody nobody will remember about it. And and we do have my boy Toe who can come up and just fill in no problem. Okay, so then who's playing third base? Somebody. Who cares? <laughs> Jace, Jace Peterson. Jace Peterson's going to play third base. <clears throat> I think the Yankees are going to catch a lot of shit if they do this. I still think I, – I, I'm still under the – belief that third base will be a spot that is um, filled. I, I still don't think Andrew is going to be the guy. I think that I still think a free agent is going to be in that spot. Um, I do think so this Peterson kid is just a depth move. And yeah. then it's an easy move at second base, right? Right. Cause then you go Torres for two weeks and then you bring up Torres. I don't know. I, I, the Yankees that really haven't any, had any history of doing this, but then again, they haven't had any history of like can't Having miss number prospects. one prospects like this. Yeah. Yeah. That they haven't screwed up already. Yeah. Yeah, not a, not as position players. It's been a long time, and I don't know what the rules were back in like '96 or, or uh, '95, even when when guys were coming up. But the um, it's to me, it's a no brainer. And the way that this Yankees team is stacked, like it's two weeks of baseball in the beginning of the season. Like I know everybody says that every game counts, but honestly, first of all, this team can absolutely cover. Torres. It's not like Torres is going to come in and be an absolute light on fire, definite guy. You don't know that. He could slump for the first couple of weeks. Who knows? 
Ronald Torres well, would be just fine there. So I saw someone in the chat just say, "Who's?" Who, he asked me, "Who's gonna? Who are we gonna get backlash from?" And I think fans. I think if Ronald Torres is playing second base and the Yankee, Yankees fans could be watching Gliber Torres, I think they they'd get a little angry because at, at the end of the day, it's not the fans' money; it's the Yankees, it's Steinbrenner's money. So what do Yankee fans care if it's a, if they have to pay uh, if they have free agency in six or seven years for Torres? That, that's six years down the road. Let's think about that then. We could have uh, uh, Gliber Torres playing second base right now. That is more important. No, 100%. I mean, fans, most, a lot of fans don't think about what's going to happen. I mean, but as a fan, you're also going to think of that you have another year of control for this guy too. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's, I, I it's controlled the another year. It's, not, it's before you even have to go into free agency and, and maybe he'll sign with them. You don't know that. And I understand it's down the road. But right now, you're guaranteeing another year. It's, it's definitely the smart business move. But... It's the smart don't baseball you, do you think move, it, Do you think it pisses off the player? Because I, I, I remember no. when the, the Cubs did it with Chris Bryant, uh, they got some shit for it. I don't think it does because I think there's expectations. Look, I, I'm a big expectations guy. Ex- ex- expectations in everything. Like if you, are, are, if you have your expectations in line with no matter what you're doing, and I guarantee Gleyber Torres knows damn well about this rule. His, his agent has told him about this rule. The Yankees have probably already communica- communicated about this rule. They know what to happen. It's not going to, it's, it's a business decision. It's a baseball move for the following year. It's, it's almost like, of course it's going to happen. Yeah. So like I said, we have a ton of mailbag questions, but there is one thing that I want to talk about. Uh, fan graphs, which I know you're a huge fan of because you love all the nerdy stuff, uh, put out zips projections, which uses uh, basically like past performance plus growth and decline curves, <laughs> a bunch of nerdy stuff to come up with projections. Projections are off-season fun. Crap. Really? Like <laughs> they're like, off-season. Okay, so you're telling me this guy's gonna hit 29 home runs with 107 RBIs? That's all well and good, but what happens if he blows out his bicep or or has has an issue in the first day of the season? So I always projections always I, I laugh at them. But they did also make player comparisons, which I found pretty interesting to look at. Uh and the player comparisons are basically um where that player is at this point in his career and what player from history he most compares with. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Harlem Kilbrew, I'd say that's pretty damn good. Aaron Judge, Tim Salmon. At first, I was like, ooh, Tim Salmon, that's, that's not good for Aaron Judge. But if you look at it, Salmon and Judge have had pretty much identical starts to their careers. Salmon, Salmon hit up, 50 home runs? Well, Salmon came up and really struggled in his first go-around. And then the next year, one rookie of the year, just like Aaron Judge. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sanchez, uh, Chris Hoyles, I don't know which I can't believe that. I remembered that he was a Baltimore catcher in the nineties. I went to a whole bunch of games in Baltimore at uh, Memorial stadium or park. I think it was Memorial stadium. And, uh, I think Chris Hoyles was the catcher at a lot of those games. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that projection that, that, uh, <laughs> that comparison. That's not good for Gary Sanchez and the Yankees. If he turns into Chris Hoyles, uh, DD is Bill Mazarowski, which I, I began to think Fangrass was just trolling us. Since uh, Mazeroski with the the walk off homer in 1960 or whatever it was, yep. It's like I know who you, I know who's looking at these stats. Why yeah. are you looking at them so early? I'm just gonna uh, throw up Mazeroski, but it's you. How about a comparison of Greg Bird and David Ortiz? Yeah, that's an interesting one because this is David Ortiz of the Minnesota Twins. If you're looking at the where they are in their career, and this is before <clears throat> this is before David Ortiz discovered whatever he discovered in the Boston Red Sox dugout, so or in the clubhouse. So this is a very interesting comparison. Well, whatever David Ortiz found in the clubhouse, maybe Greg Bird can find health-wise. He can find a magic potion to just make him healthy. I'm not talking about steroids. I don't want any magic potions, okay? Let's, let's not <laughs> talk about magic potions or magic oil rubs or anything like that, okay? I don't, already don't trust that cat that he hangs out with, so who knows what that cat's doing. Yeah, and um, Monty for Andy Pettit, which I basically think everyone made that, that comparison last year. And uh, last but not least, CeCe Zabathia and Kenny Rogers. That's good. You, you missed the two, Severino and Gray. The, the Did I Sever- skip over them? Sorry. Yeah, you skipped over Severino and Gray. Those All were right, good Severino, Severino, Doc Gooden. I love that. Stay off the nose candy, Severino, and just pitch like Doc Gooden, and I'm good with that. Doc Gooden was a freak of an athlete. If you yeah. go back and you look at uh, something to, uh, I thought was really fun, I forget who. It might have been around like the 30 and 30. I started looking at more Doc Gooden stuff. But if you look at some of like the uh, the pictures of him, um, when he was uh, when he was super young, coming up with the Mets, and and you see some of the ones like in motion when he's pitching, you see like ridiculous bend in the arms. 
Like he was like Gumby the way he threw and the way that he got that velocity. He was literally like a spring and coiled up and just darted out. It was truly amazing how his body was manipulated when he would throw a ball. Very tall and lanky. He had, had sort of like a high leg kick and it was all arms and arms and legs coming at you. And the ball came at you at 99 miles an hour with the most ridiculous hook you can imagine. Yeah. Cra- yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Se- yeah. Severino's got that life. He's got that life on it. So he like does. That. And Sonny Gray for, for Jack Morris. I kind of like that. I feel like that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty good. Dependable pitcher. Yeah. Um, maybe not an ace, but a dependable pitcher. Does Jack Morris get in the Hall of Fame? He's borderline, if not. I don't remember. Did he, if he was... I know that's been like the number one yeah. thing. Wait, did he I get in the he, Hall of Fame last I think he did year? the last one. And then when he got in, people were like, well, now uh, Mike Messina has to get in. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Um, another interesting uh, thing I got from this article was a note that the Yankees pitching staff last year actually ranked second in baseball for pitcher war. Only Cleveland uh, beat them out. So uh, we just got someone saying uh, Jack Morris is going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, this so. year it was the uh, it was the uh, modern baseball era committee. It was the committee that got it was him and Alan Trammell. That's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get in. I don't want to get voted in by the committee. I mean, I'll, if I'm if I'm him, I'm. I'll be in. I don't care who gets me in. Uh, so the Yankees pitching staff by pitcher war, if you if you believe the sabermetrics kind of stuff, was second in baseball last year. And all five of their starters are coming back, and they can go six deep in the bullpen with Chapman, Robertson, Patances, Chad Green, if he's not a starter, Tommy Canley, and Adam Warren. So this, again, goes back to what we've been talking about for a month. This pitching staff, while it's maybe not dominant, it's it's very reliable. And there's a lot of depth in this pitching staff. And again, because the bullpen is so deep, the starters don't need to go seven or eight innings. The starters can go six innings. And you've got all of these arms in the bullpen. So I know people were saying after the Stanton trade, well, the Yankees still need to go out and get a pitcher. I I just flat out don't agree with that. Maybe they're going to need to do that in July, uh, June or July. But they don't need to do it right now. No, I totally agree. I mean, this this has been my mindset the entire time. I've never... I haven't really understood what's happening and why the, all these uh, all these rumors are about with the Yankees trying to go after somebody because it does look like their their rotation is is pretty good. And that being said, they also have guys that they can rely on. It seems like that are uh, that might be ready to take that next step uh, when when an injury you know happens because they always happen. And you're usually what seven eight deep in a season, maybe even more than that. So yep. you're looking at you're looking at some decent depth for the Yankees, um, but I mean even just I think they're better than reliable. I mean I'd say that Tanaka one he didn't show up until what, July one right. I think it was the the stats were from June 30th um, through the end of the season. His numbers were tr- tremendously different. Um, Sonny Gray wasn't on the team till after the the, the trade deadline. Um, Severino had a hell of a year. CC had a good year uh, and was steady. So I, I actually think and then Montgomery you know another year in theoretically could could build upon what he did so I, I think they're better than reliable I think they're I think they're very good at the top as well and then the reliability becomes such a factor when you're going down and you're fourth and fifth guy like that that's where it's such a big difference to me with the Yankees and every other team you can really see those guys at four and five and you're like okay I feel really good about this day it's not you're not trotting out some scrub to to fill some innings yeah I think you can make a case for all all the top four starters uh Severino, Tanaka, Gray, and Montgomery, they could all actually improve this year. I don't think you can really make a case that, that Sabathia is going to improve. He, he, he might regress. He's got injury problems. But he, like you just said, he, you can at least uh, count on him to be, to be uh, that veteran pitcher that we saw with the fire and the clubhouse presence. So, yeah, he's not going to make 30 starts. But as a number five starter, you're okay with that. But the top four pitchers could all take a step forward this year. And then, and then this pitching staff is is on a different level. Yeah, totally agree. And you're right. When you're thinking about expectations, again, going back to those expectations, when you see what CC did last year, he threw what, 150 plus innings. It was right around 150 innings. Like that was a lot of innings. That, I don't think anybody, if you had to to make a bet in the beginning of last year, would have put their money on CC throwing 150 or more innings. I, I don't think anybody would have made that bet. So and the fact he, that he came out and did that is is truly like a, a very pretty high bar for a guy that's what 38 39 years old. And he made four starts in the playoffs, I believe. That's four starts that he wasn't expecting to make. So that that also adds on to his wear and tear from last year. I don't know how much that actually is a factor, but it it, it might affect him. Well, and you're not going to be much better than CC was. I think he was 9 or 10 and 0 after a Yankees loss. I mean, yeah. he literally came in, played that Andy Pettit stopper role 
and was uh, was the guy. If the Yankees needed to stop the bleeding at a given point and CC was on the bump, boom, bleeding done, and and the Yankees uh, won the game. I mean, he was really, really good and very reliable when they need him. And that just goes to the to the fact of what a competitor he is and how big of a, a like a big game clutch guy. He loves those moments and he lives for those moments. So I don't think that's going to change much. You're not going to see those numbers most likely because they're practically impossible to duplicate. But um, you know, you just you have a lot of confidence in a guy like CC no matter what because of his competitive spirit. Before we go to mailbags, I want to take a minute to tell you guys about Sleep Number. It is the new year, and New Year's resolutions is one thing, but sticking to them is another. Whether it's resolving to get to the gym more or uh, eating sweets less, there's one thing that can help, and that is get enough sleep. Most Americans get less than the recommended seven to eight hours of sleep per night. If that's you, science is uh, proving that getting more sleep uh, will make it easier to hold fast to your goals. Uh, smart, uh, the, the sleep number is smart, effortless, and they're comfortable. The sleep number bed lets you choose your ideal comfort and support on each side. It is the perfect bed for couples as well. The newest beds are so smart. They actually sense your every move and automatically adjust. So you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. And, uh, if you snore, this bed can also help reduce snoring as well. So I don't know. I don't know if you're a snore, Scott, but maybe you should look into a sleep number. So if you want to check these out, go into any sleep number location and tell them Bronx sent you and don't miss the best Bronx pinstripe sent you and don't miss the best bed for couples at the lowest price of the season. You can go in now and save four to $700 on the most popular beds. Again, that's uh, go to sleepnumber.com slash Bronx or tell them Bronx pinstripe sent you when you go into any of their locations. Okay, what's up for the first mailbag question, Scott? Well, first of all, I'm not a snorer. I have a big problem with people who snore. First, that's first and foremost. Um, the, Glad uh, you cleared the air on that. Yep. The first mailbag is actually from our Facebook group. If you're not part of our Facebook group, um, we'll link it up at some point in the in, in the page, but you can search the Bronx Pinstripe Show on Facebook and you'll see it in there. This one came from Sean Harder on, in our Facebook group talking about Batances. I haven't heard any discussions about Batances. He didn't look right towards the end of the year and in the playoffs. Uh, and quickly found himself in Girardi's dog uh, doghouse. Is he part of the Yankees' long-term plan? Love the guy and hope he fixes his stuff. Batances had a wild 2017 season. He was an all-star yet again. And then when Chapman lost the closer role, Batances was lights out. Remember we were saying, uh, we were basically throwing it in Randy Levine's face every time Batances got a save because that was the whole thing. Well, he's a setup man, not a closer. Well, in August, he was proving he could be a closer. And then... In September, and especially in October, he totally forgot how to pitch. And if you look at his career stats, he actually does this every September. So I don't know if it's wear and tear, but his September from last year, he had seven walks and 9.2 innings with a 559 uh, ERA. And, and his career overall in September is a 427 ERA and a 1.5 whip. So he's always fading down the stretch. The crazy thing about him, too, is towards the end of the season, the, the pitch that, that became such a problem for Batances was the fastball. He couldn't locate mm-hmm. the fastball. They were going over people's head. He was like uh, uh, Randy Johnson over John Cruck. Like, this guy looked like he was about to kill somebody with this fastball because he had no idea where it was going. Um, he, he started relying too heavy on that breaking ball, and people were, it's hittable at that point. Like that ball, that, that's a great pitch if you have a good fastball that you can locate. If you can't if you locate only your throw fastball, curveballs, you're screwed. And what's the point of a six eight guy who weighs what two hundred and forty pounds or whatever he is throwing just curveballs <coughs> if you don't have that that live you know upper nineties fastball that scares the living shit out of people uh, to back it up because it sets it up and everything when you're in the bullpen the two pitches if you're a two pitch guy they have to set each other up they have to work off of each other and if you can't locate you're in big trouble and that's exactly what happened they were practically walking um, who was it that said somebody said that they were basically ready to walk it was a Red Sox Harper. Player. No, 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 it was, oh, Harper, no, it was Bryce Harper. Yeah, Harper yeah. in the All Star game. He basically said, "I just don't swing against this guy, and he's going to walk you." Yeah, so that's what people are looking at. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like the, when when you see defenses talking about Jay Cutler, they're just waiting for the interception. Like they don't care. Throw throw your little five in five out. They're going to throw a pick. They're waiting for him to throw a, a ball in the dirt or or, or leak a curveball over the plate and hang it, and then it's going to go to the moon. And that's what happened to him. Um, unfortunately, it was more the walks. Like he just literally couldn't throw the freaking ball over the plate, which is crazy to me. We've talked about this like years ago when I talked about Nathan Avaldi used to drive me nuts when he said he would lose the lose the uh, the feel for a pitch that splitter. Well, freaking Batances loses the feel for a fastball. How does that happen with a professional baseball player? Yeah. So I think you could make an argument the last three seasons, not including 2017. The reason he faded is because Girardi used him. A lot. And he got him up in the bullpen. That's that's where the whole B-whip thing you and I joking about is, was 
stemmed from Batances. But last year, he only pitched 59 innings. Part of that was because Girardi didn't really use him much in September because he stunk. But 59 innings is not too much for a relief pitcher. You should not fade if you pitch 59 innings. And he, he, it's not, he's not getting hit. A 141 batting average against is, is dominant. But he had a 323 on base percentage allowed. So he walked 44 guys in 59 innings. If That's you're allowing me. only a 140 batting average, but guys are getting on at a 320 clip, it's horrible. This is hard. The Yankees are actually lucky his numbers weren't worse. Yeah, the and when you're a, when you're a guy that's supposedly going to be coming in at the end of a game and closing games out, and uh, being reliable and being one of those guys that your manager is going to depend on at the end of the game, you can't be walking people. Simple. You, relievers cannot walk people. If you're a reliever who walks people, you're not going to have a job for very long. It's just mm-hmm. it's not sustainable. So to answer the question from Sean. Is he part of the long-term plan? I think that's that's an ongoing thing. I think this is going to be t- t- TBD, unfortunately, for for uh, the way that it's going. Because, one, he's got to fix himself. That's the, the big thing. He's got to show that he's got back to this dominant stuff that he knows he can be. Um, and, and, and prove that he doesn't go back to the, the um, uncontrollable guy. Because if you remember, the reason Batances is a reliever is because he was a failed starter. And the reason he was a failed starter was the walks. He couldn't locate the ball and he had problems um, you know, getting deep into games because he was throwing too many pitches. It's coming back right now in the bullpen. And unless he can get on top of it and master what um, and, and fix this problem, then he's going to uh, then he'll be a, a very big asset. Do I think it's going to happen at this point with the way that the, the bullpen is lined up? Um, my gut is telling me no. My gut is telling me that if he does have a big season, my gut is, uh, is telling me that, that he could be used and dangled as trade bait potentially to get another starting pitcher or something to add to this team. So my gut that is telling my, me no. That was my next question. Do you think Batances has come up at all in any of these trade talks that Batances, that um, Chapman has been having this offseason? Cashman. Yeah. Not, not Chapman. I, I think I think it's a big deal. I, I think it all goes right into it. No, so, but, but you think his name has come up in trade talks? Absolutely, not hundred percent. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to get the value right now. I don't think right, that because he's, he's bringing the last him up. thing you saw was bad. He's bringing him up, but he's also trying to see what what he's uh, what he's worth at the same time. Cashman is not the guy that's going to sell a, a Yankees player on the low. I mean, Cashman's notorious for buying people on the low, but he's not going to sell somebody on the low. It's not but, worth it. The crazy thing is that Batances is actually uh, dispensable in this bullpen. And that's what we saw in the playoffs, right? The, they didn't use Batances. And the two times they did, they used him in games that the Yankees were either winning big or getting crushed in. So it was, it was almost like a non, he was a non-factor. And he sucked in both of those appearances, too. If you're looking at what Chad Green's doing, too, Chad Green's under control. He's a guy that, can, that did step in basically for when Batances was bad and, and filled a role that the Yankees needed at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the bullpen. And Chad Green's a guy that they could get old with. Um, whether he is coming into the season as a starter, who knows if that's still on the table, if that's still the case. Uh, but at the same time, like this is a guy who is controlled by the Yankees right now and, and can fill in that spot. I, I think he is a big problem for Batantis' long-term future. You're looking at Canely, who's what? I think 20, he's controlled for another year or two. Well, he's uh, actually, Canely and, and Batantis are in the same boat for arbitration. Okay. So that's another guy that's, that's there's, there's, when you're seeing this, this add up, there's too many guys um, in that spot that are, uh, uh, you know, as, as far as long-term that the Yankees can rely on. I mean, they don't need that many guys in the pen. It's nice to have, but they just don't, it's not a necessity. I just remembered that Batances was actually used in, in that Cleveland game with the replay game and extra innings. Remember, he was actually pitching pretty well, and then Girardi sent him back out there for a third inning. Right. You and I did not blame Batances one bit for, for right. actually losing that game. I mean, he pitched two clean innings. You go out for a third inning, I mean, he's not used to that. It was a terrible move by Girardi. <laughs> I remember killing no, him. No, but the, alterna- the alternative, I don't even remember who the alternative was. It, it was it, late in the game, yeah. Yeah, at they, the same they time, used everyone. You just knew you knew that third inning was was bad news oh, for yeah. Batances coming out. I mean, you're you're playing with you're playing with fire at that point because he's been so good for the first two. And to me, like that's a good move to to keep him out. And you know, maybe you're using him as a um, as a as a, a guy that with more confidence the next time. But um, I don't know. I, again, we're going to see what happens because I think there's going to be some kind of a competition on 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 who's taking that spot for for the Yankees with when you have Canley, um, Chad Green, and Batances kind of controlled at this point. There's going to be somebody, I think, that's going to be dangled for trade. 
a year ago we were talking about the whole arbitration case with with Betances and and how we totally disagreed with how the Yankees handled that and what they said publicly. Uh, so it's just it's crazy. Now I still that agree he, with that. I still no, agree that I they handled it terribly. Well. I, I totally agree. So I, I just think that coupled with his poor performance on the field, I just don't see it in the cards a long term relationship with Betances and the Yankees. I just don't see it. And it and it kind of sucks because he's from the Bronx. He's a hometown guy. He he came up through the system. It's just there's too many too much mess right now. Well, and also think about it this on the Batanza side. I mean, if you're Dylan Batanzas, do you really want to be part of this long term with the role that you have now? I mean, no, as a baseball player and you yeah, you want to get paid and you also want to have a you want to have something carved out where you could go somewhere else. You could probably go to a competitor and and someone who has a good team even. It doesn't doesn't mean you need to go to a bad team, but you Cubs. can go to somebody with a good team that needs the uh, back of the bullpen help and and be a closer. I mean, he is a closer on another team. Not not the end of the year last year, but Patances, if you look historically, like this is the guy that's that that um that has the the potential to be that closer. And I think that's what he wants to be ultimately. He's gotta fix himself first. Bottom yeah. line, gotta fix himself. The Cubs need a closer. Yeah, Cubs, there you go. Might be a Yankees know how to make trades with the Cubs too. <clears throat> All right. Next question is from Brent, and it's actually one we got a couple weeks ago, but I want to add to what we t- what we talked about. And his question was about Greg Bird. Don't you think we're putting too much trust in Bird, who missed almost the entirety of last season? I know he's a really good player, but what if he gets injured? What are the Yankees going to do at first? What about Romine at first? So you and I kicked around like, oh, we should. It's perfect for Todd Frazier because he can be that that insurance, but. There are other cheap free agency uh, free agent options at first base. Mike Napoli, Pedro Alvarez, Mark Reynolds, who used to play for the Yankees, and Lucas Duda are all going to sign cheap one-year deals. The Yankees also reportedly made a, a minor league contract offer to G-Man Choi. So there is there is there are some options for first base, but but really the question is, do you think they'd be wiser to just look for a middle infielder utility guy who can also play first base? Yes, I, I think that's that's the way to go. Like the names that you said out there, Mark Reynolds actually put some good numbers up in Colorado. I think we got a mailbag or we got a voicemail recently about Mark Reynolds putting him in there. One, Mark Reynolds is a very big swing and miss guy. Let's get that straight. If you guys are, are, are talking about Todd Frazier and with the batting average, like Mark Reynolds is, will hit 30 home runs on a... He's Chris Carter, better Chris Carter, but he is a similar player in the sense that um, he swings and misses a lot and he'll hit the ball out of the park um, at, a, at a decent tick as well. But... I don't know. I don't see any of those guys. I don't want any part of Napoli. I, I wanted no part of Napoli last year. I know that's your boy. <laughs> I don't want any part of Napoli. No, don't, the, um, don't start the, this again. The, um, but I think a guy like Todd Frazier still. I still believe that Todd Frazier is coming back. I still believe that Todd Frazier is coming back with a, 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 some type of a, a friendly player option type um, contract for, for a, you know, heavy in the one year, second and third year player option type thing. Um, I think he fits the team really well, and he can go over and play first base. Todd Frazier has already talked about this, that he can do that. He can play the outfield if he wants to. He's an athlete. He was willing to do it. He hasn't really done it. He's played barely any games at first base. You know my feeling about this. I feel like baseball players, these guys, most of these baseball players (coughs) can go out and play different positions. And I feel like Todd Frazier is one of those guys who's athletic enough, big enough, and go out there, smart enough to go out there and play a good first base. I, I have full confidence in that. Someone in the chat said, what about Tyler Austin? The only guy He's still there. The only guy who gets injured more than Greg Bird is Tyler Austin. That's the problem. That's the, the, unfortunately your uh, your guy that is in the Yankee system who has been uh, touted as you know a guy that can come up and play some first base. I mean he had a he had the golden of all golden opportunities last year to come up and and take that job. Nobody it was begging, please, Tyler Austin, take this job. And his hamstring flared up, or his back flared up, or whatever the hell it, it was. was. A ha- it was a hamstring. He he hurt a hamstring. I think running the bases or something. And this was after he broke his foot in spring training. That's the that's that's the thing is he just can't stay healthy. So no, you can't rely on that. If you're if you're the reason you can't rely on Greg Bird because he's an injury prone guy, you can't rely on his backup because he's also injury prone. That's just right. doesn't make sense. Okay, what's up next? And I love how Jared Saul says he's from Tom's River. I've never heard of that. I didn't know he was from Tom's River. <laughs> Did he stand next to Jeter too? Well, um, he, he's, that could sell some tickets, can it? Uh, the next one is from Eric. He says, "Are you cons- are you concerned the Yankees are tilting too much to the right side versus left side power? Should they sign a guy like Mustakas or see if he'll take a one year deal?" So when you think about the Yankees like lineup next year, you're like, yeah, they are right handed heavy. They've got Judge Stanton Sanchez. Those are all the big power bats, and, and they're all right handed. But they also have lefty power in Bird and Didi. 
Didi hit 25 homers and Bird knock. Everyone knock on wood. He stays healthy. He's a 30 potential 30 homer guy. You have to use the word potential every time you talk about Greg Bird. Don't ever say anything about Greg Bird without using the word potential, especially you. Yeah. So you got five guys, three of them righty, two of them lefty. That's that's okay balance in my opinion. And then Gardner's left-handed and Hicks is switch. So the lineup is pretty balanced. I just think people are in their mind. They're thinking... Oh my God, Judge Stanton, Sanchez—they're all right-handed. That—that's—that's that's too much. Yeah, the the murderer's row is right-handed. I mean, Brett Gardner hit 21 home runs last year, I think. Did he? Yeah, he he. Uh, 2017. Everyone's hitting home runs. 20 home runs. So everybody's hitting home runs. So I don't think power is going to be an issue if we're looking at either side of the plate. Didi is a you know if he didn't get a hurt, he's a 30 plus home run guy. Like this is a this is a lineup that can still turn around. Um, and, and have power. If Greg Bird, I, I don't ever want to talk. I, I really have a hard time if talking about Greg Bird. Potential. This guy, man. I just Maybe. Want him to, can he please get rid of this injury thing so we don't have to talk about this anymore? We can just talk about him as a real player. Because if he is that player, and if you listen to uh, John and Susan, John loves Greg Bird. I mean, he's I like the Yankee. We know you, everybody knows you love Greg Bird. The, John is talking about how pure, pure his swing is. I think there were Griffey comparisons. Like, all this stuff God. going on. Just oh, stay God. healthy. Just stay healthy. But yes, that is a guy that can hit a lot of home runs from the left side. So I don't think it's a big problem at all. I, I guess they'd be pretty right-handed uh, leaning if you've got Torres and Andwar or possibly Todd Frazier in the lineup as well. But that doesn't mean they don't have lefties that could come off the bench. Don't forget, Jacoby Ellsbury is still on this team. He's a left-handed player. I but try. So, I try to forget. I'm, I guess the bottom line is I'm not worried about their their lefty-righty uh, balance. I think they're fine. Get, Stanton, Judge, and and, and uh, Sanchez can hit no matter what. Lefty-righty, if they got that, that weird guy from Toronto who can throw both sides. Like I don't care who's pitching against those guys. They're going to mash the ball. Yeah, he came up with the Yankees, by the way. He played in I Staten know. Island for a I while. I couldn't think of his name. Pat v- Valenti. The Valenti rule. Pat. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anything to add to this before we go on to the next one? No, I don't think it's a problem. Let's let's all just... Power, period, is not a problem. That's just... The, that's <clears> it. Who, and who cares where the home runs are coming from? If they're coming from the right or the left side of the plate, if they're home runs, they're home runs. Well, I, I think it's more to the fact that, you know, if, if, there's, a, um, if there's a tough lefty... If there's a tough righty up, then can he, you know, silence the right-handed power? And then if you don't have the left-handed power, where's the power coming from at that point? And I mean, I get that, but it's not a problem. Is the righty, is the tough righty on righties, it's not the same thing as a tough lefty on lefties. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think, I think uh, righties on righties is is less of a problem than lefty on lefty. Yeah. And Kyle Roberts is talking about Brian McKinney, by the way, for a backup first baseman. That's a guy that we talked about. It, on previous episodes uh, of a guy to, to keep an eye out for. He was he was Billy. one of the... Billy McKinney. What did I say, Brian? Billy McKinney is one of the guys uh, that came over in the, the trade for Araldis Chapman to the Cubs. So he was one of the guys that was a top 100 baseball prospect guy that got hurt, kind of fell out of that. Back up with a vengeance. He could play um, outfield, but he's been playing first base. He was in Arizona playing first base as well. So that's a guy who's a pure hitter that can... Uh, that's uh, someone to look out for. I really like Billy McKinney. I think he could, um, if he has a good spring, he could definitely make some noise. Yeah, and Ross just pointed out, if, we're, if we think the Red Sox are the biggest competition for the Yankees, which we do, their two best pitchers are Price and Sale. They're lefties. Yeah. <laughs> the Yankees, Yankees have a right-handed uh, power lineup. So, fine. I'm not, I'm not worried. Uh, okay, next question is from AJ Miller, and he says, I've heard a lot of talk about the new luxury tax rules uh, making the tax line more of a hard cap. With the Yankees planning on getting under the tax for the next for the first time ever this year, should we expect this frugality to become commonplace, or will this be a blip on the radar as far as the Yankees spending and free agency goes? Yeah, it's so I think knowing the the whole concept of the the tax threshold and understanding what's the reasoning behind why they're getting under it is is important because um, once the Yankees do get under this tax threshold, we're you know we're talking about that as more of a hard cap. It is if you're if you're up near it and you have to pay that penalty. But once you get underneath it, you have relief from that tax threshold. So then the Yankees should just go out and open the wallets and start spending, spending, spending. And that's that's the game plan. Cashman wants to get under it for a year so that it resets, yeah. so that they can go back and and in spending mode and they're not just wasting money on um, on this tax on this tax bill. The last thing I'm worried about the Yankees being is frugal. Right. Maybe maybe this year they might be frugal, but it's it's. 
uh, a short-term frugality to get under, and they're going to go crazy next offseason. They just got Giancarlo Stanton on a 10-year deal, people. <coughs> Let's not talk about the frugality of the New York Yankees when they just signed. Literally, they just, I mean, it's, it's basically a free agent signing if you, if you break it down. They signed Giancarlo Stanton for 10 years just, just, just now with that trade. So. Yeah. They're fine. And they're setting up for the big class in 2019. And just a, a, a correction on something we had said last episode about Nolan Arenado being a free agent in 2019. He's actually not a free agent until 2020. The yeah. two big third base free agents are obviously Machado and Donaldson. So just a slight, we got a couple of people on Twitter mentioning that. Thank you for correcting us. Scott and I are shooting from the hip for an hour straight. So it's going to we're going to make mistakes. There's anyway. a lot of there's a lot of horseshit that comes out of this mouth. <laughs> Another big thing, I think, why they want to get under the luxury tax is because they also have young players on this team who they want to be able to pay. Gary Sanchez, uh, Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, Didi. Didi doesn't have a contract yet. Greg Bird, if he could stay healthy. Those are all guys that are going to need to get paid. So it's not just free agents. It's also guys on their own roster who will be getting big money. This this team is not going to be frugal. And Didi, we've talked about, that's that's a guy that deserves a, a contract extension uh, sooner than later. I think he's been so good uh, since he's come over and and the way that he's really just every year, he's he's stepped up. Uh, it seems like his leadership game, it's a, on the field, he's gotten better. He's just an all-around great player. I mean, like, I don't know if you could possibly have picked a better player to come in and play after Derek Jeter at shortstop. Right. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And I, I definitely think he deserves a long-term contract. Um, and I, I do expect it. I think the Yankees love Didi and I think they will um, sooner than later extend him uh, at that shortstop spot. Do you see them extending any of the other young guys pre-arbitration? It'll be interesting how they handle it. Uh, you know, there's, you, if you look at the trends in baseball, there that's where this uh, Giancarlo Stanton original deal came from, right? I mean, it was a, one of those long-term um, contracts that's uh, that that's friendly for the team in the way that it spreads money out, and then there's also a player option. I don't know if we're going to see them as much anymore, but yeah, I think the Yankees are definitely going to look at pre-arbitration signings because I think that if they believe they can get the value at that point, and and with you know with as heavy as the Yankees are in their numbers, and they see the projections where this guy could be uh, in the next year and the year following, it may be who of them to um, to sign him. Uh, long-term now as far as a per-year value? They had, they don't really have a history of it. The only guy I could really think of is Cano. They gave him a four-year deal after 2009, which locked him up for his really his prime years, which was good. And then they let him walk in free agency when he was already 30 years old. I just don't know if, if any of these young players would be willing to do it because you, you have to have – it has to be enough money where the, the player is willing to take it but not too much money where then it, then why not just wait for free agency, right? Because we've seen examples of it. Longoria signed with Tampa uh, for a long-term deal before his arbitration. Mike Trout with Anaheim, which obviously that was a no-brainer. Uh, Andrelton Simmons with Atlanta. Christian Yelich. Ryan Braun. Like These are some examples of teams knowing their player is going to be good, giving them more now to get them through their prime, and then not having to pay them the huge money in free agency. Yeah, and I, I think you're seeing these trends. You know, they're they're more of a recent thing. If you're going back looking for a precedent for the Yankees, well, the Yankees haven't really been in a position. You said you mentioned Cano as the last guy, but they really haven't been in a position where there's a guy that's so young lighting no. it up that they need to lock him up. So no. uh, we're looking at kind of uncharted uncharted territories right now with the way that free agency is, uh, the landscape of free agency is. So I, I really wouldn't be surprised if, um, if if they went in with deals similar to that to lock some guys up. They're going to have to spread it out a little bit because a lot of these guys came up at the same time. So that's going to be a huge, you know, when when uh, uh, when when these uh, when these rookie deals come up, you know, there's going to be a lot of them popping up around the same time. Yep. All right. What's up next? Next one is from John. He said, "How come nobody mentions Tyler Wade as an option for the current holes at second and third base? He was awful in 2017, but it's not like Girardi gave him much of a chance to adapt to the major league uh, major league level." Wade's uh, a guy that's interesting. I, I, I think he's interesting. Yeah, so I, I mean, he, John called him awful. I don't think that's really fair. Like, like he said, he didn't have any playing time. He was really good in AAA. His numbers were three ten batting average, three eighty two on base percentage, eight forty two OPS in AAA. Those are tremendous numbers, and he could steal bases. He was the the Rail Riders leadoff hitter. He comes up and he plays like once a week. He gets like pinch hitting opportunities. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on Tyler Wade for not performing in those uh, scenarios. Yeah, it's, it's the uh, it's the old Ref Schneider mentality. 
can't get on can't get on rough Snyder for not making not making uh, making it in the major leagues where you don't get the opportunity. The and he puts up huge numbers in AAA. Like I, one thing I, I I'm 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 wary to rely on our AAA numbers. We've seen it a number of times where a AAA guy is coming up and uh, and just can't live up to the to the bill of tri- AAA baseball numbers. Um, it's especially the guys who are, are, are more of like contact guys. Those are the guys that I'm worried about. When you're looking at guys like Judge and Sanchez, like these guys improved their numbers when they came up. The the sluggers can actually find more home runs in the major leagues because there's the balls are on the plate more often. Um, it seems like some of these guys who are uh, who are you know hitting for average and 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 kind of spraying the ball over in AAA, they seem like they've had a harder time uh, come up at least recently with the Yankees. So um, I'm wary to to rely on him, but I, I think he's more of a utility guy than anything. Well, is he a dark horse to to maybe be a third baseman coming out of spring training? No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think Tyler Wade is uh, is is uh, is built for third base. One, you're, you traditionally want to see power from third base. Now, looking at the Yankees team, I don't think they need to have a power guy at third base. Uh, I think it's more important to have a glove, but you want some power, and Tyler Wade gives you practically zero power. He's a lefty hitter. He is a lefty hitter, but it's uh, he's he's a guy that that with his glove, he's a great glove too. I think he's he's definitely more of a, um, a slotting as a utility guy, and he played some outfield last year too. He's shown that he can play all over the place, so I think his value is in flexibility with his defense. Uh, the fact that he can uh, steal bases when he is on base also valuable. If he could get that uh, that on base percentage up and and start getting on base a little bit more, if he can prove that he's more comfortable in the major leagues, then then I think he does show that he can have value, and I think that's. Uh, that, that it would be more of a utility role, but I don't think he's going to... Could he slot in at second base for a month? Maybe. That, I mean, he, I he could be the second he, baseman while Glyber Torres is waiting out his service time in the, in the minors. Yeah, he absolutely could be. So I wouldn't put it past uh, for a role like that. It depends on what the Yankees do at third base, I think. Do you know where... <clears throat> excuse me. Do you know where I think he has the most value to the Yankees, Tyler Wade? Where? Trade market. Yeah. I don't, see, I don't think he's going to be getting that much right now either. No, but he's he's a guy that you add to a package that sweetens the pot. Like he's been in all the trade talks with uh, Fulmer and Cole. Right. See, I'm just I'm just wondering where the Yankees are making trades at this point. Uh, the the rotation being it might one, be in the, July. The one big area, and and maybe it's in July. And if that's the case, if that's the case, I'm keeping him in AAA, letting him light up AAA. Yeah. Let him bat 300 in Scranton again, and then trade him in June or July. Yeah, because you can actually help his value by showing potential in AAA. We actually had a podcast with uh, Tyler Wade, really nice kid, if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, it was from last January, so a year ago. Uh, you can go check that out. Yeah, okay, he's a next, good dude. Next mailbag question is from Greg in Canada, and he says, a little off topic, but a fun question for the offseason. What is your favorite slash most cherished piece of Yankee memorabilia? I have a Ricky Henderson autograph on the back of a pack of cigarettes. Go Yankees and go Kemp. <laughs> awesome. Um so I have a I have a a, a few things. One, you, you can see behind me. I don't know if you can see, but I have a 1990 starter jacket, which I or a 1980 starter jacket, which I'm very very happy about. I love that thing. You can also see a pennant. I'm trying to like go backwards with the way that the camera is. There's a Yankees pennant with the uh, the old logo that I've had ever since I was a little kid. Um, that thing is uh, is is definitely uh, big to me. And then I have a, a seat from the uh, old Yankee Stadium. So. I'd put those up there, um, and then just some of the autographs I've gotten in person. Um, like and I have a, uh, I have a David Cone ball that, nice. that I got autographed. Um, and then when Did I you was meet, uh, you, met, you met him in person. Yeah, when I was when we were it was Hank's Yanks uh, the golf outing. It was a few years ago. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. three years ago. Uh, Rich Rich went. A few other people went. And um, I thought this was when you were a kid. It's no, this a was embarrassing when you're a grown ass man asking for an autograph. Oh, I don't care. I had a ball. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. And so we got the ball. Uh, we went around, and they, these guys were they were very cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's a it's one of those things like meeting these guys in person has been a lot of fun, and just having like fun conversations with them too. Larry mm-hmm. was a guy I was we were shooting the shooting the breeze with. And honestly, if we're talking about like stuff like that, like the the fact that when when we went to the um, the '96 reunion thing at Steiner, like my memory of that is probably mm-hmm. at, at the very top because we yeah. met. All those guys, Andy Pettit um, was probably the one, Tino Martinez, Pettit, Cecil. Tino, Cecil, Laritz, and Doc Gooden. Yeah, and Mariano was, awesome. Mariano was, was there. there. We, didn't, we didn't get to meet him. Right. Uh, yes, I, I've never been a big memorabilia guy. I, I don't really have much of it. I've, I've gotten some, some different pictures and, and baseball signed and all that kind of stuff as gifts. 
But like you said, the memories from that dynasty event or a picture I might get or meeting someone in person far outweighs any memorabilia. But I get memorabilia. I get why people like it. They put it up in their office or their man cave. It's cool to look at. It's just for, for me personally, I, I like the memories over, over the memorabilia. So a lot of my memorabilia comes from memories, I think, too. And I'll tell you the one other thing I didn't mention, which people may or may not get, is um, uh, we had, I think it was our first interview on the show two years ago, two and a half years ago, was Cousin Brewski. If you go yeah. to the stadium and you're sitting in, um, he used to be in my, my cousin. He's in 104 because I saw him. He's in 104 because I was in the, the ACS game I went to. I was in 104 and he was the beer vendor. So he was the he was the beer guy in my my cousin's section. He had uh, season tickets on Sundays, and he was the beer guy. So cousin, I have a an original cousin Brewski pin that says um, "Catch a buzz with the cuz," and <laughs> it's uh, like the, the cousin Brewski to me. Like that's like that old school pin that I have um, is, is definitely up there too. Like I wouldn't sell that for anything. Talk about someone with memories. That dude has beer vended at three different Yankee stadiums. Beer vended? Okay. I don't know. Is that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that a term? I don't know. Go back and listen to that interview from two years ago. That was right around uh, May, I think, of two years ago. We talked to him about his first years at the old Yankee Stadium and then the renovated and then the new Yankee Stadium. A lot of fun to talk to him. Yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude. He's a, he's, he's, a walking, uh, he's a walking Yankee Stadium treasure. And Joe's McFly is in here, too, and he's saying he's in his section. So, perfect. He's the man. Nice. He really is. He's the awesome. Yeah. Okay, what's the final question? All right, final question is from Anthony Roberto. This is what happened to Tony Pena? I thought he'd be a great mentor to Aaron Boone this this year, kind of like a, a Don Zimmer presence. Is he with the Yankees in any aspect at all? As of now, Tony Pena is not with the Yankees or any team at all. Obviously, we know who the coaches, first base, third base, bench coach are for Aaron Boone. Tony Pena is not one of them. You and I talked about as this whole Boone press conference and hiring process was going on, we were like, yeah, Tony Pena or somebody like him with experience is perfect for Boone to be that calming presence, that guy who's been through the grind of a major league coaching season and has that past history. But it just became clear Boone is Boone and the Yankees are turning over a new leaf. It's no longer about like having experience. It's about, are you smart? Can, are you capable of doing this job? Those are the guys they're going to hire. I think Tony Pena is capable of doing the job. Yeah. But Boone rather hire somebody he has a personal relationship with. And he probably didn't have a personal relationship with Tony Pena. So that's why he's not on the coaching staff. And that's what I think it is. I think it's, it's all about uh, Aaron Boone and bringing in his own guys. I don't think it's a knock on Tony Pena. I think it's just a, a matter of comfort. And, you know, Aaron Boone needs to put himself in a position where he feels he's most likely to succeed. And, and that's in a comfort spot where he knows the guys around him. He trusts the guys around him. Um, not to say that Tony Pena is not a great baseball guy. I think everybody would agree that he's a great baseball guy. He's a great Yankee guy. Um, but we're not seeing those types of guys, those old Yankee guys, still on the staff any longer. So uh, there's a new regime, obviously, and, and Boone is bringing his own dudes. And I, I don't blame him for bringing in guys that he wants to bring in. It's his show now. So why shouldn't he? And that's across Major League Baseball young inexperienced guys getting managerial jobs like yeah. uh, Dave Roberts with the with the Dodgers and all these different guys getting getting these jobs with basically uh no managerial experience who did the Red Sox Alex Cora right the Alex Red Cora, Sox yep. he didn't he he had coaching i think maybe he was experience. with the Astros okay but um yeah you're not seeing these old time baseball lifers get get these jobs anymore i mean i mm-hmm. guess Boone is a baseball lifer but he's definitely a a different type uh, yep. of not 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 a, a retread in the baseball manager. You're seeing them less and less, and even right. guys like Dusty Baker, who has been on a million teams, had a good season. Most would say with the Nationals, um, got got let go for uh, another guy coming up. Um, you know that that's more of a hot guy that's in the Joe Madden tree because I guess Joe Madden has a tree now. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for the episode and for the mailbags. Thank you to everyone who submitted mailbag questions. A lot of good questions this week. That's exactly what Scott and I want to do every week in the offseason. Pump those mailbag questions in. Join the Facebook group. It's uh, search the Bronx Pinstripe Show on Facebook. We've had some good conversations going. As you heard, one of the questions came from there. You can also submit mailbags at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast and tweet us at Yankees Podcast. Also, rate and review the podcast in iTunes. We say it every week. It's my spiel, but it really helps us out and uh, makes us feel good on the inside. Right, Scott? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any last words before we get out here? 
just keep an eye out for all the spring training stuff. We'll, we'll keep uh, talking or the spring training dates uh, again, March 23rd and 24th, that, that last weekend of spring training. It's a Red Sox and Toronto game. Um, so keep an eye off that if you are planning to go to spring training, definitely, definitely, definitely uh, come that weekend. It'll be a lot of fun and uh, we'll, we'll get you know the, the whole crew together. Um, and then if you are planning on going to the Yankees games and you're not a season ticket guy, but you want to buy, uh, you know, up to six tickets during the season, I'm good. We're going to be selling a, a pass. Basically, that's going to be a discounted rate for all of the games for the BP crew. Uh, but you can definitely get in, uh, in individual games. But check those out. There's six dates, basically one a month. Um, so I'm excited for that. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Good stuff. And thanks for everyone who joined the Facebook Live. We'll uh, we'll be doing it hopefully every week going forward, um, and we'll be tweeting that out. So so like I said, follow us on Twitter because that's when you'll know it's going to be happening. Uh, we'll try and uh, get the process smoother next time. Uh, Technology is getting better, a little bit better. Right, talk to you guys later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.